Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Our guest today is Charles Kelly. Welcome, Charles. Hi, it's good to be with you. It is a delight to have you on the speakers with me today. Charles Kelly is a Latvian American with dual citizenship. He's the founder and president of Bridge Builders International, an organization that is working to bring these two cultures, an ocean apart, closer together. Charles has found creative and innovative ways to build bridges between Latvian and North American businesses, churches, educators, medical professionals, artists, and humanitarians in order to benefit both partners in the exchange of ideas and resources. He is the recipient of Latvia's highest honor, the Order of the Three Stars, for his work in the rebuilding and spiritual development of the country after the destructive decades of communism. Recently back from a six-week trip to Europe, where he led the Artist Network at the European Leadership Forum in Wisla, Poland, Charles gained an experiential understanding of the conflict in Ukraine and the impact it is having on European nations, including Latvia, a little heart-shaped country on the Baltic Sea, itself a former Soviet state. I have a feeling we'll be talking more about that in our conversation today. Charles is an in-demand speaker, the author of the book, Surprised by the Father's Plan, and the host of the My Riga video series. He and his wife, Nancy, live in Oregon. Together, they have four ch- grown children and nine grandchildren. Charles enjoys people, painting, photography, and playing the piano. He also has an amazing ability to find, collect, and connect people. How are you at matchmaking? Not so good. Not so good. <laughs> well, you sure made a lot of other matches yeah. in your career. Uh, I've seen it happen, but that's just that's not you. Not, uh... Okay. I think you have the skill set. I don't know. Yeah, I see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see you as gentle, thoughtful, playful, generous, and compassionate. How do you see yourself? Uh, strange and weird. <laughs> Which is going to be so much fun for both of us. Yeah. No, I've always been different than everyone around me. And, um, and, and this is, it's my personality, but it's kind of also my heritage. I grew up in a Latvian American home in a Mexican neighborhood in downtown LA. <laughs> and so that's quite a mix. And, and so in the home, there was not just American culture. There was more European culture in the neighborhood uh, there was all sorts of culture um, that that was that was going on. So I see myself as, you know, just unique. And it took a while to try to figure out uh, how that's a good thing, uh, as opposed to, you know, fitting in with everybody else uh, in high school and junior high. You know, for a boy to be different is is a uh, is a challenge. Well, it seems like you're downplaying um, the advantages of being unique. I think it's your very uniqueness that gives you an ability to connect with uh, people that maybe other people are overlooking and to see opportunity where other people don't see it existing. Well, I, you know, perhaps you're right. Thank God um, for that. You know, when I was young, I didn't see that. Uh, I just kind of wanted to fit in, but, but uh, 
God doesn't make mistakes uh, with our heritages. They're all unique, and they all have uh, the they all have possibilities for uh, relational bridges, uh, or even task-oriented bridges. We can do things because of who we are and where where we've come from, as well. So I have seen in my ministry. I've been in ministry now 49 years. I have seen in my ministry. Um, um, the Lord using uh, uh, strengths one decade that I didn't know I had the previous decade. And I think that's a principle for all of us. Uh, we're all changing. It just doesn't mean we're getting old, uh, but kind of like an onion. And you, you peel off this skin and this layer and this layer. Oh, there's something unique. And uh, I wonder uh, what bridge that's going to build. I think a lot of people downplay the fact that, especially in America, that we come from someplace else um, that's mm. becoming more popular today. Why were you so intrigued with your Latvian heritage that you decided to pursue it, not only personally, but professionally? Well, uh, my grandfather um, was a pastor in, in Latvia before, it was, before World War II. Um, and and uh, he was quite effective. And then when the communists came in in 41 and the Nazis in, uh, in 40 and then the Nazis in 41, and then the communists came back in 44, um, you know, everything changed in his life. But um, uh, so all, uh, I was just born a few years after the war and, uh, and, and the impact and the effects of the war were still very great um, in, uh, um, in America as well, and also in my home. Uh, so we spoke about Latvia a lot. Uh, we spoke about relatives who were still there. And then my grandfather had a heart and a ministry for refugees from Latvia who, were, uh, who had fled the country and now were ministering all over the world. And he was helping them, so I couldn't help but notice. And then one other thing is that my grandparents had a had a prayer meeting in their home to pray for Latvia, um, former so uh, the Soviet Union at the time, the Iron Country Curtain, uh, Iron Curtain countries, uh, yeah, the Iron Curtain countries. And he uh, and they uh, invited people to also pray for refugees um, that were there. And so I was in that context. Um, and I went to these prayer meetings every month for 10 years. So uh, I would say apart from family, I would be like anyone else with Latvian heritage, interested a little bit, go on a trip or two, try to meet distant relatives, and that's it. Wow. He would be so proud of you because you have come full circle. You're now doing refugee work uh, yeah. with Latvians in that, in that country and on the European continent. So amazing. Yeah, it is uh, interesting, you know, because I'm a son of an uh, of a refugee grandson, great grandson of refugees, and I was not one myself. But now we are working with uh, refugees from Ukraine. That's not all we do, but it's one of the things we've been doing the last three months, and we don't know how long that will uh, last. But I don't think it's a short period of time. I think this war. Um, uh, between Russia and Ukraine is so serious 
uh, and 15 million people have been displaced, uh, 8 million within the country, 7 million outside. I mean, that's the most number of refugees from any war since World War II. This, this is incredibly serious. And there's just millions of people who've lost everything. Well, Bridge Builders is uniquely positioned to help. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Bridge Builders story, and then we'll circle back to what Bridge Builders is actually doing with these refugees. Well, before I started Bridge Builders in 1994, I had been a pastor for 21 years uh, in California, in Arlington, Texas, in Corvallis, Oregon, in Salem, Oregon. And uh, during that period of time, of course, I kept uh, kind of my ear to the ground as to what's going on in, in the Soviet Union. But in 85, when Gorbachev was the new president of the Soviet Union, he brought two um, uh, philosophical uh, ideals uh, to the table, and they were called perestroika and glasnost. And perestroika is a Russian word that means restructuring. And glasnost means openness. And so really he embodied that. And of course, the freedom movement uh, um, grew faster than he had predicted and it got away from him and uh, et cetera. But, but uh, nobody expected that within four years, um, uh, countries would um, uh, break away from the Soviet Union, including the three Baltic republics of Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. And that happened in 19, 1991. And when these uh, countries broke away, there was opportunity to help, uh, to help more than ever before. Now, we'd already had sister churches in Soviet Latvia, but now we had more freedom. And so I decided to uh, invite my friends, other pastors, mostly in Oregon, but some in California and eventually in Texas, uh, to, um, to also develop partnerships with uh, churches that had been um, suppressed by Soviet communism for almost 50 years. And there were many ways to help back then, and it was also inexpensive. And, and so you help through a partnership, which involved training kids or encouraging deacons, helping to establish women's ministry or men's ministry or youth ministry, because under communism, there was nothing allowed outside of the walls of the church. And, and, and so the, the idea in, in totalitarian societies is that if you're a piece of grass and you're and you grow taller than the lawn you're going to get cut off and and so there was plenty of motivation to not be innovative creative or courageous in that but but they were hungry hungry to um, to learn and to maximize this opportunity and there were some American ministries that did well in helping and some that just kind of left body bags wherever they went. Um, uh, and some were arrogant and some were humble. And, and so we wanted to kind of duplicate, um, um, you know, real relational partnerships that turn into friendships. And then, and then as a result, they can meet real needs. 
And then when the partnership gets a little stronger, the two churches begin asking the question, what can we do together we can't do alone? And so bridge builders began to facilitate these partnerships and they and they grew from the states. They grew, they were in California, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, Illinois, Nebraska, Texas, Georgia. Um, and, and now the most recent ones are in South Carolina. And so some of those partnerships are still going. Um, and so the bridges are still being built. But the nature of bridge building, the nature of the playing field in the Baltic countries has changed. And so we've also had to modify our strategies. Well, I think it's such a good business model that you were using, not uh, let the Americans come in and do this for you and build this for you, but to partner and to build things through relationship. Uh, that way, the people there had ownership. And because um, as, as an American uh, partnering with them, I also grew in relationship. Uh, there were things that I learned and to hear their testimonies of how they kept the gospel alive during persecution and how um, how they held house churches. And that really helped to build our small groups and, and how they strategized reaching their neighbors um, in overt and covert ways really gave us some ideas about how to build things here too. So it certainly wasn't one-sided. And I really was grateful that your business model, your ministry model had, it was so sound. It was so good. Um, I really enjoyed mm. that. Um, and when you have a ministry model built on relationship, then as both churches grow and change, the relationship grows and changes. And the churches that were partnering well and the businesses that were partnering well and the you know service industries, uh, either the medical profession or whatever, were able to move and to shift and to adapt because the relationships were so important. We wanted to keep them. We weren't going to let obstacles get in our way. And so I, I just really appreciate the wisdom that you brought to the partnering idea. You know, it was innovative at its time, and it's still a, a great ministry model today. Thank you. Well, I remember preaching in your sister church, Golgotha mm -hmm. Baptist Church in Riga, Latvia. I remember preaching I there in 1985, 37 years ago. And it was in the communist days, and there was suppression, and there was a fear and all of this, and I remember that pastor who's now with the Lord, and I remember the successor pastor who had an amazing heart for people, um, and and uh, that congregation, you know, had been there since the 20s, and, and now it's about 100 years old, um, and, and uh, uh, yeah, like other churches, it's gone through its own ups and downs and, and, and histories, but the relationship with with partnership churches has been very helpful for that congregation and for some of their key people. Mm -hmm. It was such a good match for our church as well. Um, and I'm sure it was very intentional on your part, but our church was also a generational church. It wasn't a new one. It had been sustained through many eras, social eras from, you know, our church was 150 years old about that time. And so um, sustained through, um, the after effects of civil war and the American revolution and the, uh, oh. you know, world wars and uh, depression, baby boom. And so, so many things, and they had learned to shift and move and adapt. And so to have a ministry with a church that was also a generational church, we understood uniquely the needs 
that each other had to respect the traditions that were given to us, but to be innovative, to reach um, people today in uh, new and different ways, still holding the truths that we both valued. And I just thought it was uh, brilliant. And I just so appreciate your intentionality uh, as you matched up not just our church with their church, but business with business and medical team with medical team and teachers with students and other educators and uh, just the many different facets of your ministry. Yeah, well, we were surprised. I've, we've seen maybe 4,000 Americans go to Latvia to do something. I was and, one of them. Uh, yeah, and some have been multiple times. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and I love it when they come home and they're champions um, for the country, for their sister church and for ministry there. And uh, I think that's, that's a fantastic thing. You see, we tend to think in evangelical uh, or very conservative evangelical circles, circles that missions is all about tasks, and it's about you set up this gospel meeting and you preach, and and everything is that. Well, everything's not that. Good. You do set up gospel meetings and you do preach, but first you form relationships, and relationships uh, mean if you're going to have a relationship with anybody, you need to understand who they are and where they're from, and what do they value, and what have they experienced, and all of this, and, and these are all fancy ways to say we need to understand culture, and, and uh, to grow to love the culture, so let's say with Latvia. So if, you're, if you want to have an impact there, learn, learn a bit more um, about the culture. It's not easy because the language is, is really tough, um, and it's hard to pronounce even the most basic Latvian words, but still the culture is extremely interesting. And so I've always tried to uh, share with people and to provide basic training is that when they go there to minister, let's, let's talk culture. Um, let's look at how Latvians communicate. How do Americans um, communicate? How do Latvians tend to work through conflicts? How do Americans do this? Um, what is a, a, a typical historical Latvian way of looking at theology? Where generations had no theological training and no seminary. So they don't come in with set theological systems, whether it's reformed or dispensational or, you know, kingdom view or post mail. That was not part of anything that they were doing. They just read the Bible. And, and, and so you have different ways of looking at it uh, as well. So I think it's important if someone's going to work in a cross-cultural setting, that they have a great respect for the culture uh, they have a, um, a great respect uh, um, for the intelligence and the experience of the Latvian because they bring something to the table that Americans have never even dreamt about. And so the good partnerships are always reciprocating with one another uh, and respecting one another. The unhealthy partnerships, and I've seen some, is when the American pastor or missions pastor just basically says we know what they need and we're going to go do it for them uh, uh do it with them and the actually the latins feel like they're doing it to them yes and and uh um and there's a little bit of arrogance that kind of comes in in that approach uh, as well and part of it is our patriotism we think America's great oh it's the greatest country in the world oh the american church must be the greatest too and and, you know, uh, you know, uh, by golly, they're going to know that. 
Well, and we learned so much from our Latvian partners because they learned how to live in times of persecution. And I have a feeling they have a lot to teach us uh, as we begin to see more persecution happening on this side of the pond. So I have been so grateful. And I'm so thankful that you did take the time to prepare me and uh, many others who traveled over by warning us about some of the cultural things that we would encounter that seemed unusual to us before the mics were turned on today. You and I were talking about some of them and they just make me laugh all over again to think about things that we take for granted in the ways that we communicate or our social habits and uh, you know they're just very different in other cultures and it's it's um, it's been a source of amusement to me I'm sure a source of frustration for many others. Well we're going to take a break right now we'll be back in just a moment with our guest today, Charles Kelly. I hope that you've been enjoying our conversation today with my friend, Charles Kelly. You can find out more about him and his organization on Facebook. His site is charles.kelly1. That's K-E-L-L-E-Y number one, or Bridges to Latvia. You can also reach him at the Bridge Builders International website. That's bridgebuildersint.com. If you're not somewhere where you can take notes, no worries. We've provided his links in our show notes. To be part of the life-giving work that he's doing here and abroad, most specifically among the Ukrainian refugees, visit our website at NIS. Media. There you will find quick links that will take you directly to the Bridge Builders International site where you can designate which of the many exciting causes and opportunities your gifts will impact. We invite you to linger longer on our site to explore podcasts and blogs about previous guests, to sign up for our weekly newsletters or monthly Bible studies, or leave us a comment about our shows, guests, services, or partnerships. As always, we appreciate it when you share our shows or recommend them to your friends, and we are ever so grateful for a good rating and review that helps us boost our impact and reach. Now, back to our show. We are back from our break with our guest today, Charles Kelly. So Charles, before our break, we were talking about the ministry vision for uh, Bridge Builders International and kind of how it works. Can you give us an idea of what's actually happening on the ground in Latvia and the Latvians' influence in Europe? Well, the idea that we bring to the table um, is that it's important to bring leaders together. And when you bring leaders together, you can encourage them um, and help equip them if uh, wherever they need equipping. And they can uh, develop good relationships with other leaders that they didn't know themselves. And good things happen when you bring leaders together. Um, they, can, they can think about um, new ideas, um, um, new vision. They can think about cooperating uh, with one another or initiating with one another, they learn from each other. That's the whole point. Bring leaders together, they learn from each other. And so historically, you know, beginning in the 90s, we brought mostly pastors and then mission leaders and missionaries also together, and we worked on major evangelistic projects. Uh, and one example 
would be Hope 99 with Luis Palau, who's now with Lord. But uh, we invited Luis to Latvia and we did a put together a major saturation evangelism um, strategy that involved 10 sister churches and evangelists, as well as 200 gospel meetings and, and I, I don't know how many concerts and in 30 cities. And it was a major effort. But the thing is, it wouldn't have happened had we not uh, brought the leaders together to get to know each other, um, to reconcile with each other, which was important for some uh, who were Latvian and resented Russians or some who were Russian and resented Latvians, and then to pray together. Because if you can't pray together, you're really not going to work substantially together. And so that's, the, that's this idea that we had. Uh, and that we've continued. So we've brought pastors together for many years. Um, and then we began about 10 years ago. Uh, and it, it kind of uh, evolved because of my own interest in the arts. And I've, I've always been creative and uh, a pianist and all of that. But I started to paint, you know, um, in the mid 2000s. Uh, and uh, and I found that I was developing relationships with artists and more than half of them were not, not believers. And, and, and that was very, very good for me because, uh, you know, when you work with pastors and you work with missionaries and, you know, uh, <clears throat> where's the good, healthy pagan, you know, that I can, <laughs> I can, uh, uh, I can get to know and, and not just to, you know, so, so I can share the four laws, but become friends and deep friends with. And, and so I began to develop friendships with artists, Christian and non-Christian. And that began to grow. So in 2000, I don't even know, maybe 11, no, no maybe 13. And, and so in 2013, I invited artists to go on small retreats where we can create art together and then talk about things that are important to artists. Uh, modern trends. Uh, what does the church think of art? What do they think of the church? Uh, <clears throat> uh, does beauty matter? Uh, does it have to be beautiful to be good art? Um, does it have to be realistic or abstract? Or uh, what's the purpose of art? Um, what's the power of art? What's the relevance of art? All of these important topics for artists. And so this movement of working with artists, uh, it, it, it's simply grown, not only in terms of the number of artists, um, but we have artists now from Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia. And now once a year for a number of years, we bring them together in an artist camp in Latvia called Imaginations. And the first letters of that word are I-M-A-G-I, uh, and those are lowercase, all of them, even the first letter. And then nations, uppercase. So it's, it's immediately communicating that this is an international movement for artists. And, uh, and, and imagination is so important because we're created in the image of God and we have imagination because I believe that's something that God is is imagination and creativity. And, and so we were created to create. This is a spiritual task. It's not a waste of time. It's not something that you do um, uh, <clears throat> because you're bored. So that's, uh, that's important. So we now work with artists 
in the Baltics and through our imaginations. And then we have a monthly uh, Zoom uh, conference call for artists and musicians, I don't know, from more than 20 countries. <clears throat> and they join us the first Wednesday of every month. Maybe there's an artist who's listening who would be interested in, um, in joining us on Wednesday mornings. Uh, I don't know what time, but maybe in, 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 on the West Coast, it's, it's nine in the morning. On the East Coast, it's at noon. Where are you? I don't know. But, but maybe you'd be interested in joining. We have guest speakers. We have interesting topics. We have world-class artists and musicians uh, and sculptors and thinkers. Uh, our last guest was a C.S. Lewis specialist. And talking about C.S. Lewis, imagination and the arts. This is fantastic stuff. So we work with artists. And then we started working uh, more and more because we brought the program Celebrate Recovery, uh, which is a church-based program designed to help people with their biggest issues of life. And so we brought that stuff to Latvia, I think, in about 10 years ago. And uh, very generous people donated, and we were able to put the leadership books and the study guides and 25 training vid videos all into Latvian, and we helped to launch this movement in Latvia. But it's, it's grown very slowly. This is a very tough area. But the typical spiritual leader doesn't know um, how to work with the addict or, um, or the alcoholic. Uh, and when I was a pastor, I, I, I struggled the same, you know, because uh, because I'd rather pray with somebody and then and then, OK, that should do the trick. And 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 uh, well, not to discount prayer yet um, working with with addicts is long term. It's never a sprint as well. And so there are leaders of of uh, ministries. Uh, who work with those who hurt could be uh, uh, Teen Challenge, Salvation Army, Celebrate Recovery, Recovery Centers, Orphan Care Ministries working with aged out orphans who are in danger of their lives, losing their lives because of addictions, and um, and prisoners and former prisoners and the homeless and street people and soup kitchens and all of this. So we have now just last month, we had um, 60, 70 leaders of mercy ministries. We brought them together for four days and uh, for prayer, for the sharing of best practices, for um, relationships, um, <clears throat> uh, for worship, wonderful worship and some teaching as well. But it's not just cerebral. It's comprehensive as well. So we do that. We call it prayer days for those who work with those who hurt. We'll do it again next year, Lord willing. And so those are two things that we've been doing um, uh, ongoing basis, but something else uh, happened on February 24th. Um, you know what that is, Kathleen? I do. <laughs> it's the beginning of the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. Horrible. Horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And immediately there were refugees. You see, this war has already been going on in the eastern region since uh, 2014. Uh, Russia had already taken Crimea. 
And they were already invading uh, Donetsk, a major Ukrainian city in this region called Donbass. And there was already 2 million refugees before February 24th. And most of them were living in Kyiv. And the capital city, which was um, um, built uh, for, let's say, 2 million and 5 million are there. And uh, and I used to go to Kyiv every year to minister to an arts conference there. But um, obviously, it's not going to it's going to be a while before that happens again. So our ministry understood that uh, Ukrainian refugees were not only going to Poland or Germany, they're coming to Latvia. And um, it was projected there could be as many as 40,000. Well, there still might be that many, but right now, more than 25,000 have uh, poured into Latvia. Now, for a country of 1.8 million uh, to receive 40,000 refugees, this is a big number. Uh, uh, President Biden announced that America would be willing to take 100,000 of them. Well, you know, when you have uh, a country that's 200 times the size of of, of Latvia, they get a hundred thousand Latvians will care for forty thousand. That's a big, uh, that's a big difference there as well. So there are so many who are there, and of course there are many many uh, in Latvia already Ukrainian um, and with Ukrainian heritage, uh, many with Russian heritage, and of course this war stirs up animosity between the Ukrainian heritage Latvians and the Russian heritage Latvians as well and and uh, all sorts of things. So we decided immediately that we needed to raise money so that we could provide grants to partnering organizations that are directly helping the Ukrainian refugees and to do it through the grid and through the filter of, of, uh, of the kingdom. Uh, so we established the Ukrainian Assistance Fund um, the 1st of March, just a week after the war began, and invited people to give and to support this fund. And then we will take the money and use it wisely, carefully, and safely so that the people who need the help get the, get the help. So we've, we did a couple of things, and we're still doing it now. And it's developing every day. And I can tell you even what happened yesterday. But uh, for, well, one of the first things we did is that we learned about a Ukrainian pastor and his um, wife and a 19-year-old daughter uh, who had just fled into Latvia. And one of our missionaries has known this man for many years. And so he had nothing. I mean, they came with suitcases and that's it. And so we immediately um, uh, cleared half of our office in Riga and gave them two rooms and full access to the kitchen and, and to the big room. It, it's become their home. Uh, and yet we're still able to do work and we do work also remotely. So uh, Slavic is his name. And so Slavic is, is, uh, has been living as a Slavic and Luba and Lubitschka is their daughter, uh, and they, uh, they've been living there now three months. Well, he has a tremendous ministry mindset. 
He knows how to touch and speak to the Ukrainian soul. She has amazing um, compassion uh, characteristics. And so most of the refugees are women and children. And many older women coming with their grown daughters who have their little children. So many three generation. And, and uh, Luba is so skilled and loving with these people. So, um, so we have now just recently hired him full time. And, and of course, we have to fund that. But we've, we've hired him full time to just work uh, with Ukrainian refugees. And also to have eyes open as to how can we also directly help believers in Ukraine uh, who have not fled but are suffering, uh, especially there's three, four churches near Kiev that have, are really, really suffering. So first thing we did, we hired Slavic. Uh, we did other smaller things, helping people find places um, uh, to live uh, and stuff, helped set up a prayer chapel in the refugee processing center in the old city of Riga. Uh, so when the refugees come, there's opportunity for them to get your social help here, get medical help here. Here's some things for the kids. And here, do you want to pray with someone? We have this all set up for you too. And so we did that. And Slavic has led that and our national leader, Almers, also. But then we decided that we need to have transportation of our own, not rent vehicles and stuff. So we use some of the money to buy a late model um, Opal, uh, eight passenger van, a big one, tall, long, and uh, decided that every other week we would send it uh, to the Ukrainian border. It's a tough drive, 12 to 15 hours. And so we fill it with humanitarian stuff. On the way to Ukrainian border, you have to go through Lithuania, through Poland, to the border city of Helm, and, and then sometimes into Ukraine, but mostly not. And then uh, we distribute the foods to people that are coming from various places in Ukraine to the Ukrainian border. We transfer that stuff into their vehicles and it goes. And then also we take refugees back with us to Latvia. And uh, now we do that every other week. It takes about five days each time. And so a little bit of break on the weekends where they minister to the churches. And then on Monday, they do it again. Come back on Friday. Monday, do it again. And so this is, uh, this is quite, a, um, uh, quite a thing that we're doing. And so we praise God for the donations that made it possible to buy this really excellent van. And then we understood after the city of Bucha, Bucha uh, was virtually destroyed and there was horrific um, violence to women uh, in Bucha that uh, um, a Slavic told us about a church there and um, about a way that we can get food to Bucha and then food to three other small villages that had been decimated by the Russian army uh, and also tortured. And, uh, and so again, we made a decision. We sent a team to the Ukrainian border, and this is where warehouses are, uh, the different organizations and charities, and also, um, uh, let's say, co-ops. They, they bring their food and medicine and um, uh, other supplies uh, to the border, and then charities or churches can buy uh, these by the pallet 
And so we filled up a big semi truck with 34 pallets of food and uh, medical supplies and diapers for the little ones, uh, uh, pamper, uh, 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 diapers for the little ones and depends for the elderly. Uh, big, big deal. The, people don't have access to that stuff. And also, you know, baby food and uh, all of these things. So that's one of the things that we've done. So, so the, the people have helped. And I can just say, if people want to help, you can be sure that these funds get to the people who are needed, who need it the most. And, um, and, and so we continue to do that. Now, just this, the, this week, there was a special camp for Ukrainian children who have disabilities. And Slavic and Luba and Lubichka were there others that we know from some local churches. And they were there to minister to Ukrainian children with disabilities. And in August, we're going to have, at, we have a camp called Eagle's Wings. And at that camp is gonna be one week just for uh, Ukrainian children uh, and youth as, as well. Uh, but we don't stop doing everything else, but we add this to the mix. Well, I have so appreciated uh, the work that you're doing, not just the physical and emotional care, but the spiritual care as well. I've heard stories myself where um, aid workers have approached the refugees and said, what, what thing do you need most from us? And they said, we just need somebody to pray with us right now and to just um, to be uh, reconnected to God in a time of crisis it, it just offers peace and hope that the world and physical things and and even relationships can't give and so uh, thank you for being there uh, so listeners if you are interested in supporting bridge builders in any way um, in helping with the overall mission with the eagle's wings camps with the imaginations uh, artist um, organization or uh, with the Ukrainian effort, we will make those links available in our show notes today and include those as, on our website as well. Uh, Chuck, for people that want to get in touch with you directly, um, how, how would they do that? People can email me and just at uh, uh, my name, Charles Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, at Mac, M-A-C, Dot com Macintosh, where that comes from. Charles Kelly at Mac.com. You can email me and uh, yeah, I'll answer you. Okay. Uh, Charles' site is Bridge Builders International. So Bridge Builders INT, all one word, dot com. And you can find him on Facebook at Bridges to Latvia. Uh, so I will include those links as well. Well, Charles, this has been such a delight to have you with us today to know that a man of your character and nature is boots on the ground, um, ministering to people on both sides of the pond, um, and especially to these people who are in dire need. And so we are so grateful for the work that you have done, not just in recent months in this crisis, but the legacy that you leave with Bridge Builders International. It has made a huge impact on so many lives, mine included. And I'm just grateful you were a guest here today. God bless you. Thank you. And listeners, We'll see you again next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.